Have you ever thought that being an entrepreneur would be easier than this? For years, I've tried to break free from Rogue Warrior consultant life, only to return time and again in order to survive. What I soon realized is my own isolation and self-doubt was getting in my way, and that my biggest successes, my happiest moments, came through connections with people who cared about me. It's now my mission to make it easier for entrepreneurs like us to connect with incredible human beings who rise up higher together. We are not self-made, we are community-made. But the real question is, how will we do it? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on this journey as I interview top experts and entrepreneurs who are figuring it out. I'm your host, Jerry Kirk, and you are listening to the Community Forged Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Community Forge podcast. Today, you and I are in for a real treat because we're going to take a deep dive into the world of personal development and really take a look at what actually works and what truly doesn't work. And you know, we're doing this at a time when, wow, there's just there's so much fear and uncertainty going on in the world due to the coronavirus and everything around that. Our lives are being kind of changed and altered in so many different ways. So nurturing that proper mindset is really more important than ever. I mean, when you're, when you're in a fear state, you're, just, you're not really in control and everything suffers around you, your, your relationships, your productivity, your positive state of mind. And here's the thing. You might think that you aren't in fear, right? You might think you've got it all together. You're not like those people scrambling up there to get their toilet paper. Um, but your body could be saying something entirely different. And so today, we're going to look at some simple tests that you can do to check in with yourself and really find out where are you at, right? And if you are in some level of, of a fear mentality, we'll um, explore it on that podcast today and look at some of the ways that you can get out of that fear state. My guest today, Dr. Chris Lee, he's a brain-based wellness speaker, consultant, and an absolute proud father, that much I know for sure. He's taken the power of functional neuroscience to Wall Street and to Fortune 500 boardrooms and schools. His approach to life is not only to show you that love, kindness, and compassion are the way to live an authentic life, but he's going to prove it to you with biofeedback and research. So I'm super excited to have him on today. I've already been having a great conversation. Please help me give a warm welcome to Dr. Chris Lee. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. And like you had said, like, we've already been jamming out. Like The chemistry is just there. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so there's, there's, you know, there's so much we could, we could, we could tackle today. And I'm really, really interested in taking more of a, a deeper scientific look at, you know, the, the role of fear, right? Because, um, there's just so many, so many, so many things that are happening right now that are, are new, they're different. We haven't faced this before. And with all that uncertainty, whether it's, you know, with our jobs or just, you know, with our health, right? Um, it's just a lot of stuff going out there. Um, I know people who are, you know, starting to take a news detox because they're finding just listening to the news is just driving them batty. Like it's just, it's just, yeah. not, they're just getting, they're getting stressed and overwhelmed. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's delve a little bit into, um, into just the world of fear. Absolutely. So the nervous system in your brain hate uncertainty. It wants to know exactly what's going to happen and predict outcomes. And if there's anything that life guarantees is uncertainty. So you can see how we can have some polarity and some challenges kind of built in by design. 
And for a really long time, my perspective of the brain, my perspective of the nervous system was that it was designed by nature to allow you to survive, to simply survive. Like that was its basic function. And at a biological level, perhaps, right? It does that really well. We know the triggers for fear um, are really outnumbering and outpowering the, you know, polarity of like love, compassion, and all the other beautiful things that we want to live our lives in. Um, and some of the research behind that really supports that. Um, you know, there's a, there's a nine to one negative to positive bias that we have. So that 75,000 thoughts that you have throughout the day, a monstrous portion of them are really trying to keep you alive, trying to make you think negatively. And that's just the default setting, right? Because your nervous system is trying to ensure survival so that you can pass on genetics. But what I've really found in 2020 is that science can only take you so far. And eventually, you're going to get to an invisible bridge that only spirituality and trust and uh, bigger things can take you on. And, and it's a ferry to bigger places. But that's a bit more of a conversation after we explain what fear is really doing to our system. But I just wanted to lay a foundation that um, a lot of the listeners and perhaps your audience included... Uh, are tire kickers, right? They're those type A, extraordinarily driven, want to get results, want to know why. Um, so this is for you guys. Your nervous system is designed for two kinds of fear. One of them is real and one of them is fake. The real one is thanks to great, 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 great grandparents way back in the time of caves, right? Physical endangerment, something that's going to threaten the meat suit that you're riding right now. So when an animal would come and you'd watch your friend be eaten, that's an extraordinarily emotional uh, experience that you have. And that memory gets lodged into your system. We take in this stimulus. We say that scared us. And that fear is going to divulge and it's going to perpetuate into a bunch of different circumstances. And then your nervous system is going to dream, daydream, and continue to build a story. And in psychology, we call this the negativity bias. Now, that's type one of fear. Type two of fear is what happens after trauma, after a negative event, after fear. And this is the perpetual fear that continues to cascade. And all of it is fake. It's all built around a story that we're telling ourselves. So way back when, having those stories really made a lot of sense. Because, oh my gosh, my best friend Jim got eaten by a saber-toothed tiger well, what the heck was Jim doing? And your brain begins to go back and pull apart the details. And he was standing by the water and wasn't paying attention. And then it makes those things bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we continue to build more story around it. That's what the negativity bias really does. Things that are bad, we make worse with time. And it's not for any reason, but so that we can continue to survive. The really fascinating thing between these two fears and what it's really doing to your nervous system, but even more importantly to your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors is that they're identical. So whether you're in physical endangerment, you get in a car accident, or you're just imagining yourself in a car accident, your neurobiology is responding in the same way. So palms get sweaty, right? It's that Eminem song, like spaghetti on it, like all that crap comes true. But what's going on in your nervous system is all of the blood, all of the awareness, all your brain waves are all shifting into second gear on the highway so that you can outperform and survive. And inside of that state, the area of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, where your best self, your personality resides, gets shut off. 
That part of the brain has to do with long-term planning, has to do with your dopamine reward cascade system. So knowing that, uh, and we can get into this as well, the marshmallow test, um, that you can have long-term planning to ensure longer, more successful uh, endeavors actually occur instead of needing the thing right now. That's the prefrontal cortex, your personality, and then higher cognitive emotion, happiness, joy, peace, prosperity, love, relationships, all of that's your prefrontal cortex. That is the first thing that goes away because when you're about to die, I don't need to go give the bear a hug. I need to GTFO and go make it through. So right. it doesn't matter what Nothing you're matters. doing. Yeah. So the first thing that goes and then all of your health immediately goes because I don't need an immune system when I'm running from a bear. I don't need my heart to think about where it's pumping blood. I just need it in the muscles, right? Like that's where I need to go. So we live in this chronic stress now. And that just explains so much of health for one, like heart disease, the number one thing in uh, first world countries. Well, there's an explanation behind that. All the blood, all the nutrients are constantly going to our muscles, right? We're never really calming down. So those two fears really begin to perpetuate a mindset around intellect around things that are going to prove certainty and that is so much of what our age of information is right now hmm. wow yeah that explains i guess why a lot of people are running out to get their toilet paper that's it right this is exactly what we were talking about so when when we get scared that long-term potentiation that long-term planning that app is not available in the app store what we need is instant results i need it now because if i don't get it now i don't know if i'll ever see it again right? So people go out and they have this instant built-in by design scarcity mindset. If I don't have it now, I don't know if I'm ever going to get it, right? And this goes back to the marshmallow test, if you've ever heard of this. What they did is took a couple thousand children that are, I think, between four and six years old. And what they did is placed uh, a table in front of them with a marshmallow on it and said, I'll be back in a little bit. If you don't eat the marshmallow, I'll give you two when I get back. And what it was really showing is that the kids that would just instantly pick up the marshmallow and eat it, they followed them for the next 40 years. And what they found is they had trouble long-term planning, had trouble with long-distance relationships or long-term relationships, and had troubles with all of these things. But the kids that could wait and got two that had a higher risk-reward tolerance for periods of time, they were more successful by a monstrous percentage when it came to... Uh, long-term relationships, how long they had uh, kept jobs, the degrees in which they went to school, like the research was just crazy. So having that in mind, a lot of the fear and scarcity that we're going through right now as a culture, it makes total sense, right? They're pushing fear, they're pushing fear. And information is important, but it, it is a challenging time right now. So if you go out and see toilet paper and you're like, I don't know the next time I'm ever going to have toilet paper, you're not thinking about like two months ahead when this going to be stocked back up. You're going to be fine. You'll figure it out. You're right now. What's going to happen? Worst case scenario, worst case scenario, worst case scenario. That's just the default setting of your brain, of your nervous system. I have to think, I have to think too. I mean, I'm kind of curious from, um, you're from the authority perspective, right? The governments and the health authorities and whatnot. Are, are they not really just tapping into that as well to get people to act in a certain way? Because I mean, right now it's, there's all this talk about isolation and, and, you know, they want people to do certain things. And quite honestly, as you point out, you know, fear is a, is a massive driver to act quickly to act now because it's, it's all about surviving. I mean, are you you noticing some of that? I mean, 
I guess in, in, in that sense, can, can fear be a, a useful tool in that regards? Or what do you think? It's, there's, there's the intention behind it, I think. I'm, I'm a huge proponent of uh, intention and properly doing things. So uh, a couple days ago, like I had gone to the grocery store and I overstocked. Um, and in my men's group and the conversations that I'm having with um, you know, the, these very successful gentlemen, they were all having this same conversation. It's like, when you're going to do it, you can have the same action, but the intention behind it can be totally different. So are you doing it in a preventative maintenance kind of way to ensure that you guys are just going to have a good time no matter what the external world doing? Or is it, are you doing it because you're just scared of, oh shit, what if, right? So having the mindset behind it is a monstrous difference. What the government is doing I can't quite say like that, that this is like one of those conversations that like I could speculate that they're a government, right? They're very black and white. Here's protocol. And that black and white protocol is not really designed for peace, prosperity, and the best life for everyone. It's meant to get shit done and it does it really well. Um, but in terms of like making sure everybody's in peace of mind, they could probably care less. Right. Yeah. Except, Maybe to keep them out of the uh, the hospitals, but as you point out, that's not going to help. So let's 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 explore a little bit about first off. Okay, I mean, obviously there's there's amazing conditions for people to to delve into to fear. How how can we kind of do a, a self check to kind of see you know where are we at with our own absolutely? Our own this this is such a great question. So um, I want to backtrack and tell a small story really quick. So the reason that I got into so much of this work was because in a very short amount of time when I was 22, I had a a series of events that um, really lodged fear into my life in a really serious way. So within a three-month period of time at 22, I'm still trying to complete my doctorate and go through all these steps. I got hit by a car riding my bike, broke my pelvis. Uh, After that, um, I very unfortunately lost my father to suicide. And then two months after that, I uh, found out that I was going to be a dad. Um, and then the day after I found that out, I got my first bill for school, which is about 250K. So I had all these emotional events occur wow. and they yeah. all placed me into this fear mindset. And I, at the time, was just chilling. I was like, I'm going to be fine. And I never gave myself the ability to process and integrate. And when we don't have the ability to process and integrate, the body, which is the subconscious mind works as like a USB drive memory stick. So what we'll do is integrate. And if we don't have the tools at the time, we'll lodge it away in electromagnetic signatures in the muscles, in patterns, right? So you can start to get weird patterns in people because that's just the way the brain lays information down and there's different depths to it, right? So you go from skin to fascia, circulatory, muscular, fascial, skin, bone, nervous system, It goes in a bunch of different complex layers, which we can get into that conversation as well. But I was lying to myself. So my conscious brain was telling me, you're good. But the pit in my stomach was telling me, you're going to die. So I couldn't decipher because my brain was trying to lie to me. So the reason I really got into neuroscience and really got into functional neuroscience was because it was objective. I could really look at my data and say, I might be chilling today, but my nervous system, my subconscious mind, my body thinks that it is being chased by a tiger right now. Like I am on the verge of death. So 
okay, now how can I leverage my mind to change my behavior? What are some tips and tricks that I can do based on the information that I know that will allow me to change the perception of my mind so that not only am I going to open myself up to having new strategies to process and integrate all of the emotion that goes on, not in just one day, but in a lifetime and pull the lessons out of them. Um, And that's a, a quote from Viktor Frankl who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, the moment that you give meaning to trauma is no longer trauma. You've extracted the lesson and then you are no longer the victim. You become the victor of it. And I love that. Yeah, it's so powerful. And so much, so powerful. What a, such a good book too. Um, so, so much of this is about for me, I couldn't, I wasn't at the lowest point yet that I needed, like the only thing that was left was spirituality. And I've hit that point since then, which is super fun. In the process of all of this, what's, what's gotten even more curious is merging the two of them to become like a, what I call a spiritual scientist is that you know that you're a very small piece on a very big game board. And in this meat suit, you kind of have some rules that can open you up to learn faster, to integrate better, more relationships, change your nervous system. You can shift your brain waves, neuroplasticity and all of that. So some of the really simple things that I do on a daily basis that when I was really in my fear... And I was really in my own like stuff. Um, I'd have 15 minute reminders, uh, both on a watch and on my phone that would go off. And what it was really doing was having me look into what my breathing is doing and what the response of that really is. So what we need to remember here is that when you get scared, the first thing that changes is the way that you are interacting with oxygen. Because you can live ah, about 14 days without water. You can go... 40 days without food, depending on your BMI, you go three minutes without air. So the first thing that's going to change when you're scared is the way that you're breathing. Hmm. And what it's going to really do is set you up to perform athletically. So you're no longer going to be taking these deep belly breaths because you need to brace your core. I need a nice, strong core right now because the most vulnerable position that human beings have your nervous system is encased in bone. Your back is good. Your viscera, your gut, that is the only thing that's available for damage. Like the thing that'll kill you instantly out in the wild is that. So your posture starts to roll in. So your shoulders come in. Your breathing becomes all up in your shoulders. So you're not taking these deep belly breaths anymore. Your posture's crumbled in. And what you're really doing is falling into a standing fetal position. You're scared. And it's just a default position. It's literally a reflex. And then eventually your knees come up and and then you're just full protective mode, right? Like this is what kids do. But the number one thing that you can do right now, that's a really good indicator is look at how are you breathing? Are you taking nice deep belly breaths? Because that's a really good sign that your body is, is relaxed. And if you're not, take 10 deep belly breaths and let me know how you feel, right? Like those small shifts. So I started to do things like that. Then I started to take it a step further. So I got something called a pulse, a pulse oximeter. And what it was really doing is reading the percentage of oxygen in my system. Hmm. And it read it instantly, instantaneously. So I could look at it and I would wear it around all the time. And I'd change the batteries like once every other day. And I would really see like, what is my oxygen doing? And it would plummet and it would like, okay, like that's a trigger. And then I could start to recognize the triggers in my life. So and you can now, really, so just sorry, just want to stop for a second there. So yeah, it, it would literally fluctuate depending on what was going on in that in Absolutely. The circumstances. So, even in moments like this, um, and it's evolved all the way now to where um, I wear a wearable device now that has a red light therapy on it. And it's just a really beautiful thing. Um, but even now, like a snake just went in the grass over here. 
right? So like my nervous system just went like, boom, like what is that over there in the grass? And I'm sure my oxygen tank, my heart rate variability shifted, like everything just went because that's a survival trigger. Like that's real fear, right? And the same thing is going to happen when you have negative thoughts about yourself as well. So you can start to really look at, okay, I've shifted this. What does that mean? And how do I get back to that state of peace and prosperity? Because you can't do a whole lot inside of fear, but just survive, right? Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Yeah. Just a couple of things. One for, for everyone listening, uh, you, you can't see this now, but um, Chris, he's, he's just decking out in this really highly stressful outdoor, um, outdoor office with you know ducks quacking in the background and sitting in a bamboo chair and really, really struggling with this, this isolation mandate. You know, it's, it's pretty so, hard. Pretty hard life. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd love to kind of, before we kind of sh- shift into you know, you know, what people can, can do, if we, maybe we could just try to s- summarize again. So, so for yeah. those... So f- so for those of us who are, you know, kind of playing these games with ourselves, telling ourselves that we're okay, but our body's saying otherwise, um, what I'm hearing is, is kind of just notice your, notice your breathing patterns, um, notice um, tensions if you're being hunched over, kind of in that, in that standing mm-hmm. fetal position you talked about, just kind of notice what your body's doing. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, one way to, to start to counteract that would be even just to take like 10 deep breaths as kind of like a, a reset of sorts. Absolutely. So the reason that we're using the body as a check is because the conscious mind um, thinks in words, right? And that takes about somewhere between like five to 7% um, of your brain's awareness. The other 90 to like 96% is all subconscious in it and it responds in emotions. And those emotions are all felt in the body. So that is why we're using the body because that's the true tell of what your nervous system is doing simply based on percentages, right? So that's the leverage and it's that nervous system. That's where your autonomic nervous system is. And that controls your health, your well-being, your belief systems, um, who you think you are, who your psychology believes you to be. Like all of those things are lodged in that 90%. So that's why we're using that as that leverage. So if you notice your or if you start to see a gentleman that are 60, 70 years old and they're all hunched over like this, they've been living a life of fear, right? Versus extraordinarily successful people. If you see like Richard Brunson or Sir Richard Brunson, right? He's, he's rolled back. That dude's got killer posture, right? Like you notice that with successful people and I, and I define success like not health, with health, wealth, and happiness, not just like they have millions of dollars because some of those dudes are all, all like this, right? But like, the successful ones that are just relaxed, that have really designed their lives around their authentic needs, they have beautiful health. They're glowing, right? Like they're, they're just really living their best life. So for the real tire kickers out there, the thing that you can do that I recommend is first thing in the morning, sit up for five minutes, five minute meditation, take a super deep breath in and blow it all the way out and start a timer. What this is, is CO2 tolerance. So at the end of that, and at the end of like five days, you're going to kind of have a bunch of different numbers, right? And the number that you want to get is somewhere between like 40 and like 60 and anything up above that is really good. But the more you are able to handle higher amounts of CO2 in your body, the better you are at handling psychological, emotional, and physical trauma. So as you sit there, your body's reactions are still going to go on. Your muscles are still firing you're still producing CO2. So the longer you sit holding your breath, the more CO2 builds up. And the more that you're able to handle more CO2 in the system, the more that you're likely to handle better psychological, 
physical and emotional stress throughout the day. Wow. I, I like that. That's simple task. It's that's, yeah, that's super simple. You know, in my, my last podcast, I was chatting with um, a woman named Sherry Yazzie and, and she's really, you know, harnessed um, gratitude as her way to really counteract a lot of these things. And yeah, what, I mean, what, what she's been saying. And so if, if anyone out there hasn't listened to her that episode, it's definitely a must listen. Um, but kind of combining that with what you're sharing today. Um, yeah. yeah. Gratitude sounds- is a must. The research that comes out on gratitude uh, is extraordinary. Um, in Sean Anker's book, The Happiness Advantage, he talks about uh, the effects of gratitude, not only in um, how a person performs at work, but also how they live their lives uh, and their like, immunity because their, your immune system is going to be tuned in to the way that you are interacting with yourself, right? It's all perception-based. It's all around the stories we tell ourselves. And most of those stories are subconscious. But gratitude is an emotion. And we can tune into that emotion consciously by either writing it, sharing it with your spouse or your partner, or however you choose to do that emotion. But by activating that neurochemistry, what you're doing is really priming your system to seek out more of that. That's your reticular activating system really being brought online. And the reticular activating system is just a part of your brain. It sits right on the crown of your head and it kind of has like uh, roots that go through the rest of your system. And what it is, is pattern recognition software. Its primary purpose is to do circadian biology. So sun comes up, I need you to build chemistry to wake the person up. Midday, I need you to be most awake. And then we start to get the purples and the pinks at night, melatonin. That's its primary function, but it also recognizes patterns so that you can run default setting. So when you have moments like that, most of us live on our autonomic nervous system because you're getting triggered to live the same life every single day. Wake up, alarm clock goes off, take a piss, wash your face, like this, that. And then by the time the day's over, you're like, where'd the day go, right? Like this happens in the car. Your reticular activating system is really good at that. But if you sneak some gratitude in there, you're going to find more things to be grateful for. And it's going to boost your immune system. You'll be happier, healthier. All these beautiful things come up. Yeah. And all, and it's so simple to do, you know, it's, it's so simple, right? Like that's, yeah. that's what I was doing before you and I got on there and I was just reaching from my journal to show you. Um, but the, I, I do this, like, it's very religious for me because it's so important because I know the default system in your nervous system is OS. Like it, it's that, Oh crap. Like the world's trying to kill me because that's just where it was. But beyond that, is where your system's doing that so that you can live a life of prosperity, love, abundance, beautiful relationships, cultivate. Like, I mean, it's truly whatever you want. You just got to put it into the system first. I guess my last question I have, I mean, there's so much more we could get into, but one thing that in particular I'm really curious about is, I mean, you mentioned early on in our conversation around how it's kind of two types of fear and how, you know, one is legit and one is just totally, um, made up, right? Kind of the, the post reaction to, to a situation. I mean, I, I'm in a, a big uh, follower and, and study of like stoicism, I'm, I'm, mm. which has really helped me to kind of reframe things a lot. And one of the things I guess I'm curious about is what are some ways that you can see, what are some ways that people can, uh, instead of, you know, I guess kind of diffusing that fear. So instead of just trying to like, you know, uh, deal with the consequences of it, what if we could just eliminate it in the first place? Yeah, right. right? This, this is the preventative maintenance um, that's becoming just so beautiful in our lives right now. Um, and something that I, I am so proud 
of the United States and, and even my community here that they're doing. So I, I can look out right now and so many of my neighbors are, are out on walks and doing things like that. Because that second fear is like, you know, 99% of our fear right now, right? Like once in a while, we get in the fender bender and all that, but the other 99% is all fake. It's all story-based and it's all perception. But the more that you can every single day, do your meditations, the more you can do your gratitude, the more that you can do your own personal work and design your life, what you start to get is something called Hebb's Law which really simply says, the neurological law says, if you use it, it gets stronger. And if you don't use it, it downregulates. So an overactive amygdala is what is really causing us to be overreactive to fear. And what that does is takes in stimulus. So what we're doing right now, what it does is compares it to the past by default, compares to the past and then attempts to predict the future. And we build stories around that future and perpetuate it to be worse and worse. What your natural default setting does is builds fear into your life. And then it pushes that thought, drops that emotion, and then you go find more of it. That's just what most people do. Instead of having some intentional time in the morning. So if you have some intentional time and say, I don't want to live a life of fear. I want to live a life of prosperity, love, peace, abundance, joy, all those really beautiful things. What you really need to do is take a step back, do some meditation, do some gratitude, and it's going to down-regulate 1% a day until information comes in and now you're thinking about it. You're logically going through the process of this has triggered me in an emotional way. Am I going to act on it? And you start to put up your own internal boundaries. Mm. And once you do that, you are unstoppable because you're self-motivating, right? Do I want to do this? Is this an emotion I want to experience? No. And you can say, thank you, but I'm going to change the story around what I'm telling myself right now. Yeah. And that comes with practice. It's not going to happen day one, but that's the reason that I get up at 4.44 every single morning for years to do this work so that I can be present. I can be authentic. I can be my weird self chilling in my bamboo swing with the surfboard behind me because this is the life I chose to design. And it doesn't happen overnight. Beautiful. Yeah. So powerful. Just curious, what is there? Is there some um, magic to the 4.44? No, it's, it's really not. Um, I, I liked all the fours uh, kind of like lining up uh, to that together. But um, four, is a, four is like a powerful number in Chinese philosophy. I think, yeah. Something like that. Like the, the logic in me was telling, okay, you've got a minute to get to your meditation cushion and drink some water and then a 15 minute meditation. Um, so that was basically what I do. So in the morning, the first 15 minute meditation I have, um, it's kind of like hypnotherapy. So like I'm going from a deep delta brainwave and on my way to wakefulness, I go through theta, which is my subconscious. And while I'm going through theta, I want to download new information into my brain. So I wrote my own affirmations track and I knew how to like, all right, do a body scan. Where are you feeling things in your body today? And, and doing that. So for 15 minutes, my nervous system just being primed to like, just be this boundless love. Um, and that's so much of like every single day. I'm like, this is so stupid the first day. And then like two months later, I'm like, I am love. I am joy. <laughs> and it's just like, it's like bursting out of me like a fool. So by the time I come downstairs and make coffee uh, for me and uh, my daughter's mom, like she's like, what are you been doing in the mornings? Then I'm just like 
saying I love myself, um, <laughs> right? Because it's like it's dropping water on the stone. Like it's not going to do it day one, but do it long enough. Like you're going to make a dent. Mm, love that. Love that. So inspiring. Um, yeah. Wow. I mean, this covered a lot of ground today. Um, is there is there anything else that you want to kind of sh- share with our listeners as we kind of wrap up this this exploration into fear and shifting more into a place of presence and and, and action and, and um, awareness? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is one thing. Um, and it's so much around the story that we're telling ourselves right now and making sure that you are telling your story, not letting somebody else tell the story for you. Right? There's, there's that law of averages that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And most of us are spending a lot of time on social media just out of concern for our own families. But that has become an extra person in our lives. And it's a very influential person. And using it, even if you don't think you're taking that information and your subconscious is always listening to that. So it's really important to check in and say, this is the story that I'm telling myself. And if you're not feeling it in your body, change it right? Like what story do you want to tell yourself about this and make sure that you're doing it after you take deep breaths or after you're doing this or after you've placed yourself in back, back in like the driver's seat, right? Don't make choices out of fear. And if you ever think like, this is such a big point when shit gets crazy, when things go chaotic and it's all over the place, you need to have the humility to step back and say for your relationships, for your family, for your friends, for whatever, for yourself, I need a break and go take 15 minutes to go check in, do some breath work, do some meditation, make sure that when you are making decisions and you are telling a story to yourself or to your family, that you, your best self, that's the person in the driver's seat. Love that. And I would, I would add, as you're pointing out about relationships is, yeah, do, do stay connected, right? Do, yeah. you know, it's so easy to get, especially now where we can't, physically be with so many people um but we still we still need that and people need need us as well to so um, yeah awesome well uh thanks so much uh chris it's been a i've learned a ton today and i know i'm going to put some of these things into practice around around breathing and, and just you know the just those, those body checks um because i've become a little more aware that yeah there probably are some things that I've, i hadn't been paying attention to that that are have been showing up so it's been great for me and i'm sure for everyone listening as well. So. Thanks so much for sharing your time today with us. Absolutely. This has been so much fun. So Chris, um, just for all of our listeners out there who maybe want to explore this a little more deeply with you and, and, or just, you know, and you've got a ton of amazing content uh, that people can benefit from, um, where can they find you online? Absolutely. So all of my information is all at Dr. Chris uh, Lee. So you can find me, my handle um, on Instagram is Dr. Dr. Chris Lee, um, C-H-R-I-S-L-E-E. Um, and then on Facebook, I have a page, Dr. Chris Lee. Um, I just got published in BuzzFeed, uh, Business Insider, and a couple other journals as well. So if you just search my name and Google nine times out of 10, hopefully nine times out of 10 now, it'll pop up at least. Um, but I'm pretty active on Instagram right now. Um, and yeah, I, I love connecting with people. I love when people shoot me messages and um, connect with me. because this, like, uh, this is the community, right? We're a tribe together and I don't have somebody else running my business page. It's me. It's, it's us, right? So that's where you guys can find more on me. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your day with your, your wonderful daughter um, in, the, Absolutely well. in the beautiful South Carolina background. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so, 
Be sure to click on the subscribe button in your app so you never miss a future episode. And when you leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, you help more people discover and then transform their lives through the powerful life-changing stories on this podcast. I invite you also to share something that you heard in this episode that you would love to turn into a conversation. Share it with people and have that conversation. Because when ideas become conversations that build connections, that's when momentum happens. I'll see you in the next episode.